Hi, and welcome to another episode of Authorised, the podcast where writers speak. My name's Kevin Hillier. Today, an interesting uh, book and an interesting author. Luke Mathers is his name. The book is called Curious Habits. And I'll get to uh, some of those in just a tick. One of the habits we have on this podcast is to tell you about our podcast partners. And maybe it's time to change some of the financial habits that you have. And maybe it's time to realign your goals and work out what you want to do with your financial situation heading into 2023. Well, the people to talk to are CSCG. Uh, they have experts in all the fields. So they'll find out exactly uh, the answers to the questions that you ask. Uh, and they'll help guide you through... Uh, what's been changing and uh, what is coming ahead of us uh, for the financial year for uh, 2023 and help you achieve your financial goals. Pretty much that simple. Give them a call, double nine seven four eight triple three, or jump on the website and see the people you're dealing with, cscg.com.au. Why do we do the things we do? We have curious habits. How do we change those? How do we deal with stress? How do we ask ourselves some questions that propel us into the future? I don't have all the answers to all those questions, but a man who's written a very interesting book, I found it totally fascinating. It's called Curious Habits, and the author is Luke Mathers, and he's our guest on this edition of the Authorised Podcast. Tell us about this book, Curious Habits. How did uh, did it evolve? How did it uh, pop up into your head? Yeah, I guess a book like Curious Habits probably gets born out of disappointment, I think. Um, <laughs> disappointment in, in sort of trying to change habits and failing dismally. And um, I guess so. What I, 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 most of the stuff I do is all about stress, how to actually get better at stress. And I, I think that stress is a good thing. We've just got to use it well. And I kind of looked at that in, in terms of habit change. And I think we all try and change habits from a place of scarcity and lack and shame and blame. And I tried to change that with this book. I tried to, let's change habits because we want to change habits. Let's get curious about what we're getting out of what we're doing now and what are the possibilities. Uh, You mentioned stress and you've already done two books, so I should mention stress, Teflon and and Reset. We sort of view habits as bad things and it's not because of the Billy Field song from, you know, many moons ago, but... There's always that showing thing. your age there, Kev. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, but there are always that thing that habits are bad. But every, most habits that you talk about are the habits that you don't want to have. Yeah, well, we have a whole bunch of habits. If we didn't have habits, our brains would need to be 25 times the size we are. Our habits are there to make life easy. So we, we slot into the, into the rituals and the plans and just your brain goes down. Your brain, brain's a little bit like water and electricity. It'll just take the path of least resistance. So if you've done something a certain way, you know, a hundred times, you're going to end up doing that way again because your body knows the, knows the route to take. And changing habits is about sort of finding a different route and then attaching the right emotion to that, to that new route. And I think when we do that, we can change from a, from a place of wanting to change rather than having to change. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's various definitions of a curious habit throughout the book. I mean, you talk about it being anything that you feel, think or do when you're when your default no longer sort of helps you out, is the, is is it such a broad spectrum? Uh, the the definition of curious habits. Yeah, I, I I think it is because everyone automatically just goes to bad. Like we sort of like you said before that we just look at we only look at our bad habits. So you get in the car and you think of how many. Say you're driving in your car, you have a hundred and one different habits that are really really good and are keeping you safe. You check your blind spot. You look in your mirrors. You do all of those sort of things. All of those things are habits as well, but we just don't take any notice of them because they don't have a, you know, if we didn't do them, we might crash, but they actually have, they don't have any anything that alerts us to them. So we're, we're creatures of habit all the time. They reckon, they reckon that 
between 70 and 90% of things we do are habitual. Mm. So yeah. a lot of them are good too. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess, I guess what, what I've tried to do with this book is to explain that if we can get curious about stuff, the curiosity can actually do the heavy lifting and that's where we get to change because we want to. For a lot of people, curious people are annoying. <laughs> Have you ever met a three-year-old? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Why? And, Why? Why? Yeah. Why? Exactly. <laughs> and, yeah, for some reason, I, I think because they're so annoying when they're three, we beat it out a little bit. I think it's a, it's a real it's a real sad thing that we're beating curiosity, particularly out of our kids. Yeah. And then we're, we're just asking them to jump in these little boxes that, that are, you know, not what they choose, not what they want. And no, okay, I'll just do that because that's the box that people are wanting to put me in. And unfortunately, that it, it doesn't lead to happiness. And it's where a lot of that sort of anxiety and stress and stuff with kids is coming from, I think, that yeah. we're, we're not allowing them to be curious. It's almost that Pablo Picasso quote that, you know, every child is born an artist. We just beat it out of them at some stage. Yeah, yeah, that's very and, um, true. I think it's the same with curiosity. I think we do tend to beat curiosity out of us because, you know, sometimes you get curious and you go down rabbit holes and do things that actually don't serve you. But I actually reckon that's okay. I, I, I love the idea, and I talk about this a bit in the book as well, that action gives you answers. So let's do something. Let's try something different. If that works and that brings us joy and that gives us good results, great. Let's do it again. If it doesn't, okay, well, at least we know that one doesn't work and we've got some answers then. Yeah. And I think one of the one of the things that we do is we just default to a certain way of going through the motions, whether it's serving us or not. And I think curiosity is the, is the sort of thing that will actually work out whether that's something I want to keep doing. And if I don't, then what, what are my alternatives? There's that, uh, there's that pathway of uh, being curious, though, from, from helpful to redundant to destructive. I mean, sort of navigating your way through that's an interesting thing too because there's, I, I guess there's degrees of, of being destructive and the world's not going to end if you... If you get if, too curious. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, the world's not going to end if you, if you do get too curious, but you, you kind of, that's why people do pull back in those situations a lot, don't they? Yeah, well, sometimes, uh, you know, curiosity, you can you can find answers you don't particularly want or see, and we have a sort of desirability bias that if, if we think we're going to get an answer we don't like, we're not going to look, we're not going to ask that question. And I, I think that one's a bit of a trap too. That I, I actually like the idea of, okay, well, that didn't work out how, how I wanted it to. Cool, wonder what, wonder what I can learn from it, wonder what else I can try. And that's when... That's when curiosity works really well, I think. Yeah. It's like in interviewing. There's a there's a, a phrase that they use in interviewing, you know, never ask a question you don't know the answer to, which I think is absolute crap. To yeah, I think that's absolute crap too, Kev. I, I can't, um, you know, you're asking questions to find an answer. Correct. And so if I already know the answer, why am I asking you the question? Yeah, yeah. But I, I think that, that goes with a myriad of um, questions that get asked at interviews that probably aren't very, uh, you know, are probably a little bit curious. You know, things like where do you see yourself in five years, you know, sitting in your chair asking better questions. Um, not, not to you, to the interviewer that was. <laughs> um, see, there's a, there's a question that you ask at the end of the book, which, which I actually sat there uh, looking at it last night thinking, my God, that's one of the best questions that I've ever had po- seen posed. Um, you know, what would you thank the younger you for? Is all that? There's yeah, a, as you quite rightly put in the book, experiment. It, it is. It is. It sent me off on a little tangent for about half an hour. Just thinking, my God, what would I? What would I thank the younger? What did you for? come up with, Kev? 
I guess my persistence and, and the fact that I did work hard at, at certain aspects of my craft that have allowed me to to be able to do it is now with the now with the wisdom I think I have now as opposed to the youthful enthusiasm I I, I think I do it better now than I did then but that set the platform for me having the the foundation to be able to do it. Yeah, I I asked that question. I, I, I'll give you the background of that. I was yeah. I have a friend of mine, Cam Schwab, who's he's been CEO of a bunch of AFL clubs. Amazing, amazing yeah. voice in the world of leadership. You know, Cam. Yeah, yeah, amazing voice in the world of leadership. He just is such a wise human, and he's someone who I, I go to quite a bit when I you know want to bounce an idea or think of something. And I talked to Cam about about how to finish off this book. And, you know, there's a, there's a cliche of what advice would you give the younger version of you. We've all kind of heard that a hundred times. Yep. And his take on it was, you know, what would you thank the younger version of you? And I, went, I, I said, well, go back half a lifetime ago. And what would you thank the younger, view, the younger version of you for? And a lot of people, and I, do, I ask this in my coaching practice a lot, is exactly that question. What would you thank the younger version of you for? And people almost always come up with, um, some variety of I think I thank the younger version for me for digging in when it got hard and yeah. for doing the hard thing when the hard thing was the right thing to do. And I think almost always a lot of the regrets that we have are regrets of a mission. I didn't actually do the hard thing when the opportunity sees itself. Yep. And um, yeah, it's, it, you're not you're not meant to have favourite things in books, but that last little chapter and that thought experiment of you know find asking what. The younger version of you would thank would thank them for, but then also asking what you know twenty years from now, what would that older version of you thank you for doing now? Yeah, and I think that I think that's a really cool thing. And our brain works really. Our, our prefrontal cortex is like a prediction machine in our brain. It actually gives us predictions of what what can happen. And I think if we start to think ahead and look at what what the future holds for us and what would we need to do now to have that future be as good as it could possibly be. You know, and things like looking after your body, looking after your brain, making sure you keep the relationships that you want to keep and maybe get rid of some of the ones that aren't serving you. Those sorts of things I think the older version of me would thank me for. So, yeah, I I love that thought experiment as well. I'm I'm glad you did too, Kev, because it's a... It was a, a really nice way to finish a book about habits, I think. Actually, well, what habits do I want to get so that the older version of me will thank me for doing these things? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and as much as you've written the book, one of the other things that I took away from the book is a, is a quote from your wife where she said that every criticism is is a hope in disguise. And I wish people would look at that in a, in a broader sense when they are criticised because that's it's not necessarily actually poking the bear every five minutes or trying to put people down. You're actually trying to you're trying to help but I think that the follow-up part to that too is that rather than just giving the criticism, why don't we ask for the hope? Yeah. And it's really easy to get frustrated and just throw criticisms at people. Well, why don't we say, look, I see how you're doing that and you know, I, I don't quite understand because it's causing these problems. I was really hoping you'd do it that way. Is that an option? And ask that with full intent of being curious about what the answer is rather than just sort of, oh, you keep doing this, you're an idiot, <laughs> or something like that, and just giving yeah. criticisms out. Yeah. To actually ask for the hope. And I, I reckon, particularly from a leadership point of view in business, I don't think we ask that a lot. You know, the, one of the things I talk, I, I have a, a friend of mine, Danny Ginsburg, who's, a, who's another leadership expert. And one of the things he says when you're having conflict with someone, 
is does that person know that they're causing problems? And quite often they don't because we have a curious habit of dodging difficult conversations as well. Mm. So to be able to stop and sort of, you know, ask, ask for the hope rather than just throw the criticism out there, I think is a, is a really cool way to get out of that, curi- that particular curious habit. Yeah. The judgmental part of it too is a really interesting sort of thing that we, we all do it. We're all guilty of it, but it is something that we probably need to park over in the corner a bit more. Yeah, I, I loved um, – love, I'm a massive Ted Lasso fan. I don't oh, know me if too. That, have you, yeah. you love it? Yeah. There's, a, there's a scene in that where he's playing darts and he's talking about a Walt Whitman quote that said, be curious, not judgmental. And I just love that scene and that quote. And, and it's, it's a really cool thing that we often do jump – our default is to jump to judgment rather than, rather than sit with curiosity and actually ask questions and wanting to know the answer rather than just, you know, asking sort of questions that are designed to steer them the way you want to go. Yeah. And I reckon, man, I reckon being curious, not judgmental, is a really cool way to go. Where does, there's, there's a massive amount of compare and despair out there, I think, particularly amongst young people. Yep. That, you know, there's, you know, you know I'm 50 years old and I'm, I'm – as a kid, we used to have, you know, had friends that had like a better bike than you. Their house was a bit better. Their dad's car might have been a bit better than your dad's was. And you could see the next run up the ladder. And I think what's happening now is every kid from about the age of 10 is walking around with the entire ladder in their pocket and they're looking at it incessantly. <laughs> and they don't actually, we don't actually compare down as humans. We only normally compare up. We only look at the people above us and what we want to aspire to. And we don't actually look down and be grateful for, you know, how far we've come. And I guess that's where that thought experiment we were talking about before comes. What can you be grateful about what's before? But I think that's where that judgmental, we get judgmental of ourselves because we're constantly comparing ourselves to a sort of an unattainable sort of perfection that we're seeing on in media and social media and all that sort of stuff around. And I think that's something we need to have a bit of a look at and get curious about as well. That that was going to be my next uh, point was about social media and its impact and how it, it sits in all this because, I mean, if you talk about comparing, there's no uh, no greater uh, cinematic experience than sitting in front of your computer or your on your device and looking at, uh, you know, someone's dinner from last night or someone's uh, <laughs> suntan from their holiday in bar, whatever it is, uh, yeah, the, the it's become this incredible sort of structure of I've look what I've got. Yeah, it has, hasn't it? And it's and it's a, it's a weird. It, well, it's not weird because all of these things have been designed that way. Um, a lot of the things we talk about. Um, uh, a fellow in the book called a professor from Stanford called BJ Fogg, and BJ Fogg's a behavioural designer, so he knows actually how behaviour works and how to change. He wrote a book called Tiny Habits, which is a great book. And he, he's the one who inspired um, Atomic Habits by James Clear and a lot of other ones. So he's like a, a modern day, a modern day person that's sort of looking at how habits form. Yeah. His course they call the Millionaire Maker because all the people that have done the really big things in Silicon Valley have almost all gone through his course on behaviour design, and they're deliberately making these things so that they're they're giving little dopamine addictions to everyone. So everyone's getting little dopamine lollipops every time they jump on their social media. It doesn't bring you any joy. It doesn't bring you any satisfaction. It doesn't bring you a lot good, but it does give you those little dopamine hits which make you want to go keep going back. Yeah, not the not the the best thing we've invented. I don't think, or at least we're not using it in the best possible way at this stage. I wouldn't. Have oh, that's probably, that's probably the point, actually, Kev. We're not using it in the best possible way. I think the fact that we can find lots of things, we can connect with people, and all of that sort of stuff in social media is great. 
Um, there's a great book called, called Stolen Focus by Johan Hari. And one of the things he talks about in that is his quote is that, that social media to connection is, is like porn is to sex. <laughs> you know, it might, it might scratch an itch, but it's not really fulfilling. Yep. And I, I think one of the things, in a way, the social media allows us to connect, which is good, but when it starts taking the place of real connection, I think that's where it's, we start to need to get a bit curious about it. Yep. When someone walks down the, you know, in the bookshop or in the uh, in the library and sees your book, what do you want them to think when they pick it up, and what do you want them to take out of it when they've read it? Well, it's bright yellow, and there's a ruddy big question mark on the front, so I reckon <laughs> I'd probably like them to get curious about what this book's about. Um, that would probably be the first the first thing. But I I just love people to sort of stop and and just look at what they do from a place of curiosity and wonder and sort of, okay, well, let's look at what my options are here rather than just, oh, no, this is what I do and I'm stuck with that because I don't think we are. I think we, we all have a really big ability to change, but we've got to be able to change. We've got to be able to change by, one, being aware of what we are doing and what we're getting out of it. Then I think we've got to get a bit disillusioned if we're sort of looking at what we're getting out of it and do I want that? And if the answer is no, then we've got to have a little bit of disillusionment with what we're doing now. But then the last one is to get a really clear image of what the habit we do want to do is and make sure we attach a positive emotion to that. And I think if we do that, then we can change actually really easily because yeah. we're, we're using um, emotions and our curiosity to do the heavy lifting rather than being the thing that, that stops us changing. Yeah. So I think, I think one of the things you've done really well in the book is explained it really simply in terms of you, you haven't complicated it for, for, you know, bods like me to, to pick the book up and go, oh, yeah, okay, I can see what, I, I can see your point there and I can see where that relates to me. Where in a lot of these books you can get lost in the hyperbole of what they're trying to, you know, how clever they're trying to make it sound. Yeah, I'm not clever, Kev, so I'm not that <laughs> clever, so I can't make myself I can't make But you know what I mean, theory. don't you? They're, they're, they're yeah, some, I do. It, it's sort of like a whole lot of really fancy words, and at the end of it you go, right, and you really didn't get yeah. what you think. Whereas, whereas I, I, this book got me in terms of I, I understood what was going on and, and related it back into my head to, to, to the way I go about things. Is is there a, a habit that you've looked at and got curious since reading the book that you think, yeah, I think I'm going to change that? Haven't uh, haven't had a chance to do that, to be honest, because I got lost in the what would you think the younger <laughs> uh, for a, a little bit. Actually, we, did, we didn't we didn't actually go into what was the older version. Thank you for now, and I guess that's where you come up with where what you what your habits are going to be going forward. Yeah. Is, is we ask what the the older version of you would thank you for now. And let's have a look at that. And, you know, I know with me, I I looked at things like diet and exercise and how I'm going to do them better. I'm going to you know, make sure I keep my core strength up. I'm going to make sure I keep reading and learning and finding new ways to look at things and keep my brain active, keep connecting with the, with the people in my community, you know, keep making sure that, you know, I'm contributing to the world. Yep. I think one of the problems as we look around and we look at older people is that they almost feel like they're a bit redundant and then they don't do anything that actually contributes to the world. And I actually think that there's a, a phrase I love to use that, you know, is the world a better place because you're in it? And if the answer is no, think again. Yep. And if the answer is still no, go out and do something and contribute. Go and, you know, mow some lawns, go and help some old people, go and do something to make the world a slightly better place. You don't have to change it. You have to be, you know, it doesn't have to be earth shattering, but 
you know, we've all part of the, the thing we've got to do is contribute to the world. And I think there's a lot of people, particularly as we get older, stop doing that. And I reckon it, it's a good way to let the old in and, and sort of, you know, start yourself on a slippery slope that probably doesn't help. Yeah. yeah stress is, is something that obviously you've worked in a lot and you don't shy away from it. You actually, I won't say encourage it, but you actually you see it as a challenge rather than a, uh, you know, something that... Uh, challenge rather than a threat. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's one of the things that... One, one of the stars of the show in the book is the sea squirt. And you now I talk about I talk about the sea squirt a lot. What was your take on the sea squirt, Kev? Well, it, it, it eats its own brain. I mean, that's not exactly one of the uh, you know. It's not a great starting point. <laughs> well, but basically, what a sea squirt does for people who haven't read the book is that a sea squirt will go towards the things that feel good and away from the things that feel bad, and it kind of makes sense. And then what it does is that a sea squirt then attaches itself to the to the ocean floor and it eats its own brain. It basically decides I'm not moving anymore. I'm not changing. I can just stay here. And I, I told that story to a, a local council that I was running a stress research workshop with. And um, the people in the audience said, yeah, no, we've got entire departments here at council that do that. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yes. They've been doing it for years. Yes. <laughs> and, but, and they were but, right. <laughs> yeah. But one of the things about our habits is we let the sea squirt run the show. Yep. And we all have that, oh, this might be hard, I'm not going to do it. And when you look back, um, there's a great book by a fellow called Dan Pink, which is called The Power of Regret. And one of the things that we do as we look back in our life is some of the things that we really regret or the, the things of admission that we didn't do that we had an opportunity to, or maybe because it was scary, maybe because it was hard. But I think sometimes we let the sea squirt run the show too much. And I think we've got to sort of say, okay, I'm, I'm comfortable with the discomfort of this. This is going to be stressful. It's going to be difficult, but it's something I want to do. And, you know, I think the world will be a better place if I do it. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that we've got to get curious about to sort of say, don't let, don't let discomfort stop you from, from doing something that's going to be really good. There was a great book back from the, late 80s, I think it was, by a lady called Susan Jeffers. And the book was called Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. Uh, and you almost don't have to read that book. you just got to hear the title. Yeah. That just feel the fear and do it anyway. And I think sometimes we let fear sort of stop us doing things that, you know, might actually have a really good benefit to us just because they're uncomfortable in the short term. But I think sometimes we're, it's almost like paying for things on credit card. It might be, might be, convenient in the short term, but you're going to have to pay the band at some stage. So yeah. I think we've, we've got to get a little bit more comfortable with discomfort. Hey, been a terrific catching up. What's next for you? I'm, I'll probably write another book. I'm going to let this one dust settle on this one for a little bit, but I'm really loving looking at attention and why we're struggling to, to pay attention to things. Oh, um, yeah. um, things like, you know, ADHD and, and stuff like that. And I yeah. think we've got a, you know, that's a curious habit. One of the, one of the chapters in the book I, I call, Hey, look, something shiny. And it's just the curious habit of distractions. Yeah. We've got distractions around us all the time and wondering why we can't concentrate. And I think, I think if we have a look at our environment, get a little bit of awareness and get some systems in that, we can actually, we can actually change that and actually get our focus back because if, if it keeps going the same trajectory we're going to now, we're not going to be able to focus on anything. So we're going to need to, need to work out a way to get our focus back. Luke, thanks so much for your time, mate. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed the book and recommend it uh, very highly to people to have a, have a read. Thanks uh, so much for putting it together and for joining me on the podcast. Thanks very much, Kevin. It's been great. Thanks, mate. 
My thanks to Luke and uh, good luck with the book, Curious Habits. It is available. It's published by Major Street Publications. So uh, see if you can seek that out. Google it and I'm sure you'll be able to find yourself a copy. And of course, uh, you can ask yourself many of those questions that we posed during that interview, uh, and I'm sure you'll come up with some uh, some great answers and uh, a really interesting exercise. Uh, thanks once again to our podcast partners, CSCG. If you need to do something about your finances, we all need to do something about our finances, but if you need to realign them, maybe reset your goals, maybe have a chat to someone about uh, where you're at and where you want to be, well, CSCG are the best people to talk to. Give them a call. Double nine seven four eight triple three, or jump on the website. You'll see all their services uh, detailed there, the people you're dealing with and uh, everything about the company too. They've been around for a long time now and they really are very good people. CSCG.com.au. Till the next time, I'm Kevin Hillier. Go and read a book. It's fun. 